0: Hello and welcome to episode 164 of the Juice Box Podcast. Today's episode, now you see me. What does that mean? I'll tell you in just a second. Today's episode of the podcast is brought to you by Omnipod. With just two components, the small wearable pod and the handheld personal diabetes manager, the Omnipod insulin management system lets you manage insulin delivery simply and discreetly. More convenient than daily insulin injections and more comfortable than traditional tube pumps. The Omnipod enables you to live life more freely. You'll learn more in this episode, or you can go to myomnipod.com forward slash juicebox for a free no-obligation demo right now. There's also links in the show notes. The podcast is also brought to you today by Dexcom, makers of the G6 Continuous Glucose Monitor. We've been using G6 for about a week and a half now. I'll have a very comprehensive review episode coming up in about another week. Something to look forward to, huh? Anyway, the Dexcom G6 Continuous Glucose Monitor, which is a fantastic way to manage the ups and downs of your diabetes. You can learn more at Dexcom.com forward slash Juicebox in the ads later in the podcast, links in your show notes, or at JuiceboxPodcast.com. Now, we're going to talk to Sean Busby. Sean is a professional snowboarder, which is actually a thing. And his life is, it's a bit insane. He's also living with two autoimmune issues, and that's why he's on today, to talk about lupus and type 1 diabetes. You can hear Basil snortling in the background. Basil, do you want to make any noises? No, not now? Fine. On to the show. There we go. Say something, would you? Testing, testing. Hello, hello. Perfect. I was gonna say, finally, someone has used Skype before. You called me. Um, most people just don't even know how it works, so they—they're like, "What is Skype?" I was like, "I know, but it's still the best way to do this stuff." So, I don't—I don't know. Yeah, yeah. don't we sound crystal clear. So that's perfect. Perfect. Awesome. Allow me to remind you right here that nothing you hear on the Juice Box podcast should ever be considered advice, medical, or otherwise always consult a physician before making changes to your diabetes plan, or really doing anything. In general, don't listen to me. I'm an idiot on a podcast. I mean, didn't your parents teach you to be, like, scared of strangers? I'm Sean Busby. I'm a
1: professional snowboarder living with type 1 diabetes and lupus.
0: Sean, I think we've never met in person, but I think we've been in the same place a couple of times, and we just wouldn't know it. Um, I feel like I was at something in Philadelphia once you might have been at, or something at Lily. I don't remember exactly, but I feel, like I, I feel like I've been in a situation where people are like, that's Sean. And I'm like, oh, and then I just get whisked in a different direction. And I don't think we've ever actually met in person, so it is very nice to meet you. Yeah, likewise. So we're here today to talk about Something that riding on insulin is doing uh, called "Now You See Me," right? And that's to what, what's the hashtag supposed to be doing? Yeah, so the hashtag for this campaign during the month of
1: May is called "Now You See Me." So just just completely spelled out, but uh, yeah, that's uh, that's the hashtag. You nailed it.
0: <laughs> and we're we're trying to draw attention to people who are living with multiple autoimmune issues. Correct.
1: So we know that um, there was a there's a study that about 27% of people that have type 1 diabetes will develop another autoimmune disease at some point in their lifetime. So um, I was one of those. And the reason we chose May for this campaign um, is because, like I said, I I have lupus um, in addition to my type 1 diabetes. And that's lupus is Pretty rare for men to get. Um, about one in 10 people that get lupus are men. Wow. Um, there's about a total of 500,000 people um, or 500,000 men in the world that have it. And uh, so I felt pretty alone when I got that diagnosis. And unlike type 1 diabetes, um, at first I felt alone, but then I found a great community in, in type 1. Yeah. Um, the type 1 community is. Uh, pretty large and open and there's people talking about it, but not so much with lupus, at least with men and with lupus. So I figured, you know, I bet I'm not the only one that's going through a double diagnosis. And uh, anyway, so we chose May because May is also uh, Lupus Awareness Month. So we just figured, oh, this is a great time to start this and let's see who else is dealing with a, a double diagnosis or possibly more.
0: Around here, we, when we donate like, clothes and things like household goods that, you know, to organizations, we always use the Lupus Foundation because I just one day found myself thinking, how, how unlucky is it to get a, a disease that some people will tell you doesn't exist? Like that's not good luck. Uh, actually, Sean, you have the worst good luck in the world. You got something hardly anybody ever gets, and something hardly anybody ever gets at the same time. You must not yeah. play the lottery. You you're probably just like, well, it's never gonna never gonna go the right way for me. But 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 seriously, I mean, you got screwed twice, man. I mean, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No,
1: actually, it's funny because I've I've always spoken about that. It's like. Man, why don't we play the lottery? Because the odds are looking like it's in our favor. So <laughs> yeah, um, you
0: always hit the yeah. the low odd stuff, right? Like so, that's yeah. Well, I'll, I'll <laughs> say this, Sean. So I, I I don't think I've ever come out and said this on the podcast yet, but uh, now seems like just as good a time as any. Um, my daughter Arden is just about fourteen years old. She's had type one since she was two, and a number of months ago now, a while ago, maybe I've alluded to it once or twice, but she started having really um, intense stomach issues. And Mm -hmm. she would not use the bathroom for days at a time successfully. And then when she went, it was her body just being like, oh my God, all this has to come out. Like really like a bad cycle she was in and mm-hmm. we came up on her endocrinologist appointment and i i walked in and i said look i'm i'm sorry to say this but you're going to have to test her thyroid i'm like because i think her thyroid's like kind of gone uh, you know yeah. and and sure enough now she has to take synthroid every day and it completely cleared things up but it just you know that that's you know like you think well one thing's enough but to make your point there it is there's the second thing and Looking back, yeah. it's not that surprising. My my wife has hyperthyroidism, and mm-hmm. we go back through my wife's family line, and most of the women on my wife's side of the family have some endocrine issue. They're all different, but some one person has celiac. Uh, what, my wife's grandmother um, had the celiac. We have a niece who just has like not a great immune system. Like there's everyone seems to be a little touched by it, and Arden got two. It looks like so. Uh, uh, and it's, it stinks, but finding out yeah. right away and doing something about it took her from being miserable to being right back. I can't tell you that synthroid was in her for two, three days, and everything was back to normal again. Wow, wow, yeah. I mean, it's nice to know who what that enemy
1: is, yeah. you know what that to have a face at least.
0: Tell me a little bit about lupus because I've, I'm kind of fascinated by it, but don't really know anything about it. How does it present? Yeah.
1: So, um, it's a super complicated disease. They refer to it, um, as the cruel, um, mystery just because it mimics so many diseases. It mimics, uh, multiple sclerosis. It can, uh, affect your muscles, um, and, uh, mimic forms of like a muscular kind of dystrophy or myositis. Um, and, uh, for me, I, they suspected it actually when I was 19 years old and then I was sent out or I guess when I was about 20 years old and, uh, I was sent out to the Mayo Clinic in Minnesota for two weeks. Um, however, during that time and just let me ask, can, are you still getting good connection with me? Cause I just got something on my phone that said, uh, poor connection.
0: <laughs> you sound great to me. So I'm good. Okay. Yeah. Awesome. Good. Um,
1: so anyways, yeah, I was sent out to Mayo Clinic and at the time I had uh, severe hives over about 70% of my body. So I was treated with, uh, I was being treated with some steroids called prednisone, mm-hmm. um, which if anyone knows prednisone is super gnarly. If you have type one diabetes, it's, uh, it's crazy to try to keep control of your blood sugars during that time. Right, And, uh, in addition, prednisone is also one of the major drugs that's used to treat lupus and suppress the immune system. So anyways, I, I get out there um, and when you're on prednisone, it can, um, so it can basically mask the symptoms of lupus and the blood work. Okay. And that's essentially kind of what happened is what the doctors thought. And, uh, but I was, te- I was put through a barrage of tests over two weeks. Um, I was tested for Addison's disease. Um, I was, tested for MS, all sorts of different complicated autoimmune diseases, and the doctors at Mayo Clinic in Minnesota just said, you know, you most likely have a connective tissue disease based on your, your lab results and everything we've been seeing. However, it's just not showing its face. It'll probably show itself in 10 years. Well, with lupus, it takes the average person with lupus about six years to get a diagnosis. Mm-hmm. Um, Anyways, I had just returned from a snowboarding expedition in the Arctic Circle, and when I got back, I had these extreme headaches, um, and I've never had headaches before, and uh, these headaches made me feel like I was going to have like, a seizure. They were just so painful, and uh, then on top of that, I had developed a rash across my face, um, across my uh, chest. And back, and uh, then I had also developed some sores in my mouth, and I was also really sore. But like I, I couldn't tell if I was sore because I'm so active, or and just thinking that was normal, or if it was something else. Um, <clears throat> speed it up a little, and I was sent to I went to my doctor's, and they she uh, ran some lab work. The lab work came back, my, it showed that my muscle enzymes were extremely high and out of range and she was suspect, my doctor was expect, uh, suspecting um, a myositis or like sort of a kind of a dystrophy style disease uh, of the muscles and so then uh, I was sent to a neurologist, a so neurologist conducted tests and that neurologist ran some various antibody tests and a bunch of my, um, anti, I had a bunch of antibodies, like an anti-nuclear antibody, which is kind of like a screening factor um, for lupus. Um, and or, um, yeah, and so the anti-nuclear antibody, you know, that came back super high and positive, but that's been high and positive since I was 19 years old. And when I got diagnosed with type 1 diabetes. Now, what I've been told is that an ANA just shows that there's, a, or an anti-nuclear antibody just shows that there's an autoimmune response going on, and I have type 1 diabetes, so it's probably positive because of that. Well, anyways, um, in addition to that, another test came back positive, which is kind of like the gold standard, like, thankfully, it was positive, so we could, so we could catch it, right. but it's called a... Um, an anti-double stranded DNA, and what that means is that you produce antibodies against your double stranded DNA. So essentially, your body is just making antibodies against its its own cells and blood, um, and that is a hallmark, um, basically, kind of a hallmark diagnosis of lupus, of so systemic lupus, so SLE. And um, I
0: can I jump in for a second? I I just have to ask you a question. So you say a lot of things that people don't say like I was at the Arctic Circle snowboarding. And um, that's that's (laughs) not as I've never heard anybody use that sentence before in my entire life. Uh, (laughs) And and everything that's happening to you. Like there's something about your like what? Let me just go back for a second. How old were you when you were diagnosed with type one? I was diagnosed at 19. Okay, so 19, and then all this just starts at once for you. How? Correct. How Did you live at home at that point, or were you just a, out in the – like you live a life that I think most of us don't understand. Like, you know, you just asked me if you could still hear – I'm assuming that's because you're like on the end of a flagpole on the top of a mountain trying to get reception or something like that right now. <laughs> uh, so, in my, I'm actually – um and
1: do let me know if you can't hear because uh some reason my phone keeps telling me poor connection but um i'm i'm actually in alaska right now and uh but
0: yeah i uh see that's my point yeah (laughs) so 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 were you that guy when you were 19 were you in alaska when you were 19 kind of or were you at home like going maybe i'll Mm -hmm. go to college maybe i'll snowboard in the arctic circle where were you in at your life at that point when
1: I was 19, snowboarding was my life. And uh, I was living in uh, Steamboat Springs, Colorado, and my parents live in uh, Southern California. And, uh, but I was, I was full-time training. I was competing um, and just traveling the world for snowboarding competitions. And uh, so, yeah, being diagnosed at 19, my life just kind of Totally turned upside down and I was very confused and very scared about what that meant.
0: How did you prioritize things? Did you see the diabetes as, okay, this is first or was the pain first or was there like, what did you, what did you see as your, your biggest foe in the morning? Um, with. With lupus? No, but just in general, if you, you've you're, oh. you've you've type one, you've just gotten it. You probably don't know a ton about it at that okay. point. You're trying to be incredibly active. Now somebody's telling you you have a different disease on top of that. When you wake up in the morning, like, what's the first thing you think about? Um,
1: the first thing I actually think about when I wake up is is anything hurting? Okay. And um, so I would say it's primarily focused on lupus. Um, lupus is very like. If I overdid something from the day before, it can cause a flare in the disease to become active or come out of remission. Um, I'm also with that. I'm highly allergic to sunlight. So um, that can cause it. So it's, that's the one thing is I'm still learning it. It's not like I can go and, you know, test my, my blood and be like, okay, my lupus is extremely active and I need to do this. So um, I just, I usually, that's kind of the first thing. Yeah. However, uh, you know, if I'm wearing my CGM, then I uh, may get to jumpstart with, with type 1 diabetes in the morning, depending on if I'm getting any sort of alarms. So that's kind of nice, too. <laughs>
0: yeah. I just, look, I mean, man, it's, you have an incredible attitude, first of all. I would The first thing I would do if I felt pain was stop snowboarding. And so <laughs> you, must, you must really love it, first of all. Um, actually, in my opinion, anyone who would go out in the cold and do anything, Really loves what they're doing because I, I don't even, I can't wrap my head around being in the cold even. So you're like a complete anomaly to me, which is fantastic. <laughs> Boom, here comes the ad. What do you want to do first, Dexcom or Omnipod? Want to flip a coin? Hold on. Heads or tails? Heads is Omnipod. It's, is that a face? It was heads. Omnipod. hey. hey. Whoever said this podcast wasn't well thought out. Listen to me right now, I'm going to say some things that make a lot of sense to you, and to me, and to sense in general, common sense. Would you rather be tied to something or not tied to something? I heard your vote, you said not tied to something. The Omnipod does not have tubing, do you understand what that means? It means that you're wearing your insulin pump, you're getting your insulin, but you're not attached to another device that has to hang on your belt be stuffed in your bra, jammed down your pants. I don't know what you do with it even. But you bounce on your head and then put a cap on over top of it? I don't know what to do with it because I've never had that problem because my daughter has never had that issue. We've always used Omnipod, the tubeless insulin pump of the gods. I can make that claim because no one can prove otherwise. Zeus uses an Omnipod. Zeus, leader of the gods, has type 1 diabetes, uses Omnipod. There, I said it. That's 100% true. Prove me wrong. I'm just kidding. Go to myomnipod.com forward slash juice When you do that, you can start a free, no obligation demo pod. They'll send it to you and you can actually wear it and see what you think. You can see that what I'm talking about is 100% true. And then you just move forward very simply in the process and Omnipod helps you along the way. I actually had an Omnipod customer service experience yesterday that I'm gonna tell you about. I'm gonna extend the music to tell you about it. So we just had a job change here, and we switched health insurance. And very luckily, I felt like we upgraded our health insurance a little bit, and maybe we wouldn't have to use a third party anymore to buy our our durable medical goods. Which turns out we don't have to. But all I did was call Omnipod, and I was like, "Hey, we just switched insurance. I used to use this third party supplier. I was wondering." Can I use you now? Can I just buy them directly from you? And they said, give me your information. That took a couple seconds. Then they said, we'll call you back in a couple days. And you know what they did? They actually called me back. Crazy, right? Guy calls up and he says, hey, I'm calling from Omnipod. We checked through your insurance. Everything's great. Here's what your coverage is. When would you like to place your first order? Just like that. I mean, it was so simple. And I'm telling you that if that was that simple, just the process of getting the no obligation, non-functioning demo pod to try and check out, it, it, it's gotta be the easiest thing in the world. I know so many of you have done it, and you get back to me later and you're like, hey, I tried out the demo pod, and now I'm using the Omnipod. And by the way, I appreciate that. Appreciate when you click on the link. Click, click, click on the link in the show notes or ChooseBoxPodcast.com and you try the demo pod. Thank you very much. I'm just saying I think it's gonna be really easy. If my experience is any indication there's really no must, no fuss. Give it a try. MyOmnipod.com forward slash Juicebox with the links in your show notes and at JuiceboxPodcast.com. I really believe that you will love using the Omnipod insulin management system. You open your eyes, I'm not in pain good day, check my blood sugar, get moving. But then like, I I hope you, I hope you take this the right way. But when somebody tells me they're a professional snowboarder, I can't wrap my brain around what that means or how you have food. So like, what is like, how do you, what is a day like, what is a day like for you being a professional snowboarder? So
1: yeah, that it's basically consists of, um, well, and I, I also now am the, (coughs) the executive director of riding on insulin, which is a nonprofit that I started right uh when I was diagnosed with uh, type 1 diabetes when I was 19 um but as a as a snowboarder that I I've, I've been a professional snowboarder since about the age of like 16 mm-hmm. um it's basically communicating with my sponsors that pay me to do what to do what I do um figuring out trips um you know pitching different sorts of trips or expeditions that I may do to Remote mountain ranges, and then also trying to get kind of marketing materials around that. So you're shooting photos, you're shooting video, um, uh, you're writing articles for snowboard publications and magazines. We're uh, testing um, gear that will be coming out from uh, for the following season or two seasons from now. So a bunch of the gear that we usually have is from is will be out in the in the next season or the season after, um, and just kind of always providing feedback. So, um,
0: not much different than when I hear about somebody making like money playing video games, you're, you're the, the out front face for the activity and for the people who make gear or or like that kind of stuff around that activity.
1: Yeah, that's, I guess that's a good way to put it. That's cool.
0: Okay. (laughs) Well, wow. I wish someone would have told me about that when I was in high school. I would have Not done what I did, to be perfectly honest, because your life sounds much cooler. And so also, you are, um, I'm assuming by now people listening are going to have the same thought as I just did, but you're a go-getter. Like, thats is that just kind of burned into who you are? I mean, you're like, I have diabetes. I'll start an organization. I'll, like, that's, not many people's minds work that way, I guess.
1: Yeah, I think a lot of things shaped me. Well, actually, a lot of things did shape me. I wasn't, I mean when I was just a snowboarder and I didn't have type one diabetes, Mm -hmm. my focus was just solely, it was, it was selfish. It was just focused on my sport. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and I think, you know, with being in being any sort of athlete, you're, you're typically just, you want to go, go, go. You, you, you always are setting goals and you're trying to achieve those goals. Um, when I was diagnosed, I was actually misdiagnosed. I was misdiagnosed with type two and I became extremely ill and extremely sick for three months, um, until I got the correct diagnosis of type one. And like when I was in the hospital for 12 days, I lost over 30 pounds of my body weight. I started losing snowboarding sponsors because they didn't want to support an athlete that was chronically sick. So like while my teammates were going and competing in South America, I was essentially just like in a hospital or, you know, back home with my parents being taken care of because I I couldn't function because I wasn't on insulin. And, uh, but once I got that correct diagnosis of type one and got on insulin and felt how amazing that feeling of having my first insulin shot was, then it really grounded me. And, it sh- and then I had to learn about this disease. And all I found was, again, that community. I, I was reading stories from on the JDRF website during Children's Congress of you know, five-year-olds. Uh, nine-year-olds, sixteen-year-olds, like how they've lived life with type one diabetes, have and have known no different, and how they still go out, follow their their goals and their dreams, and are being like a normal and are being a normal kid. And that's what inspired me, and it showed me if they could do it, then surely so could I. And so they were they were my driving motivation. And i I know for a fact that if I got diagnosed with lupus, and because of the lack of community and now maybe other people would argue there's you know there's communities online and all that sort of stuff but in, in terms of men and like a positive community because mm-hmm. a lot of stuff you read about online are you know the really sad the really sad stories right, right, um and like a great example is selena gomez she has lupus she just got a kidney transplant because of it and so like it's like that sort of those sort of stories that you read um and it it just showed me, man, that these kids can do it. I can. And if I was diagnosed with lupus first, I would be a complete wreck. I, don't, I know for a fact I wouldn't be snowboarding. Um,
0: because I you would, think you would have reached out into the world and found sad stories, and those sad stories would have led you towards believing this was your path. But instead, you reached out, found type 1 people who are have a different message in, in the community. Is that the idea? Yeah, that's, yeah. that's,
1: it, that's exactly it. And, um, there's just, uh, the community is so strong around type one. And, um, I, I just hope that's the same for many other diseases, because like I said, many people living with type one, like your daughter are going to d- develop another autoimmune disease. But I do really feel like type one set me up with the right tools mm-hmm. of managing a chronic illness and the, uh, with the amount of people I could reach out to and get support in that manner. So when I was diagnosed with another chronic illness, I had the I had the blueprints of how to manage such
0: a thing. Yeah, there's sort of this moment like out of a bad like sci-fi action movie where you're being attacked by flying gorillas and then <laughs> you know, then dragons come up out of the water and you're just like, "Oh, this too." You know, like like you yeah, know like there's yeah, that feeling yeah. of like, "Okay, I I guess I'll defeat all of this as it comes at me." And I, I really do think that it It goes unsaid sometimes, and it's hard to properly i think articulate at times for some people, but you definitely don't want diabetes, you don't want everything that comes with it and but there's right. this positive part about having it that you can't deny, like this I don't know like you you don't meet people who have type one who aren't you know resilient and resourceful mm-hmm. and you know intelligent and and thoughtful about their life and their health and it's um it does something to you having this disease, and most of it sucks, but some of it's incredibly positive um yeah you know i i I don't know if I've ever said this here once, but uh, my daughter plays softball, but she's a third baseman, and they get involved in this game a couple of years ago where they run out of pitching and she's like, well, I can throw a ball underhand, I'll do it. And so she gets in, pitches to this girl who's like nine times her size. Like we could have hidden Arden inside of the batter if we needed to. And she lines the ball right back to Arden. Arden can't quite get her glove on it, hits her below the kneecap, knocks her right over. And, you know, the coach goes running out on the field and I was like, oh, let me go out there so he doesn't overreact to this. And that's my, my feeling from diabetes. I was like, oh, she just got hit really hard in the knee. She'll be fine. And, you know, like, and I rolled out there and I was like, how, how's it going? And she's like, Got these tears in the corner of her eye that she's just kind of holding back, you know, and she's like, "Ooh, it hurts. And I was like, right. And the guy, the coach, who's just raising a normal girl in the world, he's like, you know, let's get ice on it. Let's do this. And I was like, hold on, chill out. I'm like, Arden, what do you want to do? She goes, let me stand up and see if I can throw another pitch. And so she does, right. She finishes the inning. Then she bunts for a single at the bottom of the inning, comes back, pitches the top of the next inning before she looks over at me and kind of gives me the high sign. Like, Hey, you know what? Let me get out of this. My knee's really starting to hurt. And a couple days later, she's at the doctor and she's got this little hairline like fracture in her knee and it heals fine. And she's fine. But at that point in her life, 12 years old, you know a a girl weighs 85 pounds at the time you know and she never thought like let me stop she just she was like oh this sucks but i'll just keep going and i i genuinely believe that part of that is her personality but part of that comes from from diabetes i really do think it it does yeah. you know um it's amazing but if you look deep enough, you can find something good in it. Now, I don't know if you can do the same with lupus or not. I mean, your description of it is, I'm going to be honest, fairly terrible. And uh, mm-hmm. it, it, it's scary to hear from the outside. Yeah. Like, I don't know you and you're in Alaska. But if you were closer, I feel like I would hug you if we were nearby. i be like, God, Sean, I'm so <laughs> sorry. But do you feel like that day to day or do you handle it differently?
1: Uh, yeah, I mean, I uh... – every, every day is different and every day I'm still learning, um, about different things and different therapies. And, um, I, uh, you know, I have a great set of doctors now, so, um, I will fly back from Montana where I have my rheumatologist to, um, also Baltimore, Maryland, um, where they have the Johns Hopkins lupus center. Um, so I just go, you know, just try to see a center of excellence and just try to stay on top of it. And a lot of it, you know, I think with any chronic disease, now this is just an assumption, but a lot of it comes down to just your your outlook. Um, If you can create a positive outlook around it, and like what creates a positive outlook around me is being involved in the community, so type one, and then also doing what I love, which is snowboarding. And uh, that just mentally, that's just refreshing. It keeps me going. And like, yeah, things can always be scary regardless of the disease down the future, in the future when you've had it for a few years. Sure. Like ty- type one can be scary, um, lupus can be scary, but the important thing is to, for me and for anyone, is just, just to live right now in the present. And you're gonna have bad days, but the bad days that you have, like by having that community and being able to talk to someone uh, that has a chronic illness, mm-hmm. it's gonna get you through that. And that's gonna be like with type one diabetes, that's the next best medicine, the insulin. Yeah. And, um, it's, it's, it's the only way I, I feel to be successful with living with a chronic disease is to have a, a sense of community.
0: Yeah, I, I'm sorry, I'm sending Arden her lunchtime bolus for, we were just no there for a second. Yeah, you <laughs> caught me at the very end of it. But anyway, we're doing a nine unit extended bolus 30% now and the rest over an hour in case anybody's interested, her blood sugar is 130. <laughs> um, and so, um, it, it, listen, I can't. I can't agree with you enough, honestly, you know, because there's, there's, there's two thoughts here. One is you need to live your best life today. Like this is the life you have today. You need to make the most of it. If we're going to get hit by a car tomorrow or my lupus is going to get worse or my type one's going to make my eyeballs fall out or whatever it ends up being, mm-hmm. you, you know, like the, we don't know what the future holds, but we do know the future's out there somewhere and it's coming eventually. And so, yeah. be, I mean, you're an amazing example of just do, Although I think you're doing all this, just trying to meet Selena Gomez, but I'm just that's my my personal idea. Have you met her uh, you? no, but it is i I do hope to meet her one day <laughs> yeah, I feel like you're the one that can work this out sean but but you're married, right? yeah, and yeah. you've wasted <laughs> that whole opportunity, but never nevertheless <laughs> <laughs> um but but I mean seriously, like you're an amazing example of this for type one, you know, put the lupus aside for a second. Seriously, put the lupus aside for a second. You're in Alaska snowboarding with type one. What are you using? You have a Dexcom. Yeah, I'm, you, I uh, I have an Omnipod and a Dexcom. Yeah, you've got the gear of the best stuff, in my opinion. That's what we use too. And so, um, and so you're out there with this. I mean, this these little, this little bit of technology flying down the side of a mountain on what appears to me to be a very tiny like surfboard. And so you're, <laughs> it doesn't seem. I mean, do you ever? Do you ever even stop and look at it like that? I guess you don't, right? Like you just have a different attitude. And and I think that's important for people to hear because I know how much I've seen the community be kind of bolstered just by the idea that my 13 year old can play four or five softball games in a day and not have a problem. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, um, I think it's amazing for people to be able to see the things that they're most scared of are not just possible, but they're possible in a really big way. Like we're not all going to go snowboarding in Alaska, but you know, I mean, if you can snowboard in Alaska, my kid can definitely play, you know, soccer. You, you, you know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like if, if Chris Freeman can, uh, ski across Maine, which apparently he yeah. does, you, you know what I mean? <laughs> like them, the my, then my kid can play basketball, rec basketball on Saturday, or I can go to the gym as an adult and not feel worried. There is a way to manage these things. Um, and and still do the things you want to do. How did you learn that management style? Like, how did you figure out how to do what you do without it causing you a real problem with your blood sugar, or does it? Well, I
1: think that that attitude that you spoke of right there—that was that was number one. I had to to change my attitude um, to be like, okay, this is these are the cards I've been dealt. This is what I need. This is I if I still want to be a pro athlete or an athlete or whatever that was. I, uh, I just have to learn. And, um, so I, I did as much research as I could. Um, I reached out to 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 as many people that had type one diabetes that I came across online and tried to gather information. And then I just started going to the gym and I was so underweight because I'd been misdiagnosed for so long that I would go to like the The local YMCA, like super early in the morning, right when they opened up, because there'd be less people. And I was just kind of ashamed that I looked like a skeleton. And uh, um, I would just do all sorts of different exercises that I normally never would do. Um, I'm not a swimmer, but I would get in the pool and I would start swimming laps so I could just learn how my body reacted to that sort of stress or that sort of exercise. And I would record it in a logbook. And I did this for. I did this for a few years, even going into snowboarding competitions, recording every like days before a snowboard competition, recording everything that was going off my blood sugars every two hours through the night. If I was making any corrections, what those corrections were, if I was giving myself any insulin, what that insulin was, and then resetting my insulin pump to basically mimic uh, how my body had been acting the days before. So I was very hands on with it. And I, I would say uh, that's the other big thing. Of advice I would give is to just be extremely hands on with diabetes, test, test, test and learn or check, check, check um, and learn how to, how your body reacts in certain exercises or different climates, or so, different environments.
0: Sean, that's amazing because I say here on the podcast, I tell people, I'm like, look, nothing's a mistake, but you need experiences, you know, mm-hmm. and then you need to have the the kind of the equation, like I did this and this happened next time I'd like to see this happen. So I'll do this. Like you have to, I, you know, I always talk about like being in a fight. Like if you're in a fist fight, you want to hit first because then mm. everything that happens afterwards you dictate, right? So if you make a decision yep. with insulin, then you know, I did this and this is what happened. But if you wait for diabetes to come at you, then you're forever covering your face and hoping not to get punched in the nose. And, and yeah. then nothing that happens to you is valuable because you can't act on it later because you don't know how, where it, where it derived from. Um, and you did that with exercise and how it affected your body, which is g- brilliant by the way How long have you how old are you now? I, I, I can't believe I didn't ask you that. I'm uh, 33 Okay, so you've been at this for a bit now. So yeah, 13 ish 14 years with diabetes and lupus pretty much um, mm-hmm. but that's and and so anyway, so Sometimes people know I'll I'll say like if you're having a real problem figuring out like pre bolusing is an example sort of cheat and make the same lunch a couple of days in a row. So at least you take out some of the factors and you can see what's going on. You did that like with exercise. And, and th- yeah, so that's yeah. how you taught yourself what your, how your body would react to certain t- to situations. That's so smart. Geez, Sean, I didn't know you were going to be this this is a great interview. I was like, Sean, I was like, this is gonna go like 20 minutes, don't worry (laughs) about it. I said, we'll yell about the hashtag a little bit, and I'll say, now you see me, you know, hashtag, and then I'll get you out of here. And now I'm like, Sean's great. (laughs) I was like, why are we not doing, we should have taken more time. Here's what I imagine I could be completely wrong. There are magic elves that work at Dexcom. That's what I think. I don't know how scientific it is or possible, but Arden just started using the brand new Dexcom G6 continuous glucose monitor about 12 days ago. I'll have a comprehensive review for you coming up next week, but for now, the upgrade and in the insertion process alone. You heard Kevin Sayer talk about it back when he was on the show a few weeks ago, but I've now seen it in person and oh my god, is it easy and If you believe my daughter, which I do, because she's 13 and doesn't usually lie about things like this, not just painless, she didn't feel it. She didn't notice anything happen. We used it, it was crazy. We stuck on the thingy, and then we pushed the button, and then she turned back to me with this big look on her face and said, I didn't feel anything. Ain't gonna get better than that. Feeling nothing is pretty much the uh, epitome of what I want to feel when I'm inserting something into my body. I mean you get what i'm saying but if i'm getting poked with all right, let me try to clean this up if you're going to put a wall there's no good way to say this if you're going to insert a continuous glucose monitor into me i'd like to not feel it and apparently you're not going to i really want you to go to dexcom.com forward slash juicebox or click on the links in the show notes or at juiceboxpodcast.com to contact dexcom and to begin your journey with continuous glucose monitoring. And if you're already a customer and you want to upgrade to G6, it's very simple to do. Please contact them today to find out more. I'm talking about not just pain-free, literally no feeling. Nothing happens. It's like nothingness. On top of that, the accuracy is crazy good. We're having a great uh, experience with it. I will tell you all more about it very soon. I just want to have some more time with it before I come to conclusions and share them all with you. Pretty responsible of me, don't you think? What are we hoping for people to do with a hashtag MA? May? Just put pictures out or to tell their story a little bit about multiple diagnosis or what's your hope?
1: Yeah, so again, we're, we're trying to develop that community because we know that there are plenty of people out there that are it, it, that are managing type 1 and another disease. And sometimes, you know, for me too, I find where, like how you said, how do you wake up? What do you think about I find a hard time to prioritize type 1 diabetes on some days. Yeah. And, type, and, I, and sometimes you can be like, oh, well, you know, lupus or type 1 or whatever it may be is so much worse than, than this or that. But that's not fair to do to yourself. If you have any medical conditions, they're, they're always serious. Yeah. And you need to figure out how to prioritize them equally and to be able to take care of yourself. And so for this, this month of May, we're we're doing this, yeah, the hashtag now you see me, it's to basically allow people to come out, speak out about what it's like managing two diseases, share that with others, because most likely, there's people on the other end that are listening that are going through something similar, or maybe even the exact same thing. And so we're asking people to, you know, share their experience. Um, writing on insulin is putting up a ton of content along with many of our partners around the world um, that are also putting up content, share that content, just get it out there. And um, if people want to be more involved, you know, they can, they can donate to writing on insulin, um, which is writing on um, And uh, just help, just help spread that message of awareness. And let's bring the light, like, you know,
0: well, wait, I mean, Sean, I was going to say it's incredibly important because you you d- said something that we all believe about you know how strong community is and how much it helped you when you found it. And if you have a multiple diagnosis, the community for that is obviously going to be smaller, but it's it's probably more important because you're dealing with these two things. And and it is, I think this is a great idea because you're really encouraging people to get out into the world and be you know, a little more open about the things that they're dealing with because they have probably plans and tricks and tips that they could share with each other too, or just good stories that would help buoy somebody who's just been diagnosed, you know, the way it worked for you. I always feel badly about, um, it, I don't, I think it's a, not a, a very like well-kept secret, but ty- the type two community is not very, strong or active and and there are mm-hmm. I've, I've had multiple conversations with dozens of different companies and they all would like to see it you know hey wouldn't it be nice if there was more of a community but you can't get people with type 2 in a big block to speak up and the best mm-hmm. the best um you know people can guess is that they're embarrassed by it and mm-hmm. and so they don't want to talk about it because of the stigma that's pretty unfairly attached to it you know and yeah. um, and this is this I hope somebody does that for them, just the same as I hope that people step up, use this hashtag, and uh, and do the same for people living with with multiple autoimmune's because I I think it's just really important to find people who understand, um, and maybe you can find a connection there that'll help you. So I, this is really it cool. It totally is. Yeah. No, I appreciate this. I really do. And I'm um, wow, Sean, you're doing a nice thing here from Alaska. What? So all right, before I'm going to let you go in a minute, but tell me just real quick what the hell are you doing in Alaska now? You know, you're going to ride a a snowboard or how do you not die riding a snowboard? (laughs)
1: Practice.
0: (laughs) practice. Where do you Uh, practice something like that? I've never here. I'm going to tell you something. I'll tell you two things. that will knock your socks off. I've never had a cup of coffee in my entire life and I've never been on skis. There's two things I don't think. And by the way, I've never seen animal house. There's three things that most people don't believe. Right. (laughs) And so when I think of skiing, I think of skiing like being eaten by a shark. If I'm not in the ocean, a shark can't eat me. So if <laughs> if I'm not on skis, I can't run headlong into a tree going what I'm assuming is like 1,000 miles an hour. So you said, pra- how do you practice to snowboard? Where did you do that first?
1: Um, I did that first in Southern California. So um, Well, that makes sense. <laughs> yeah, exactly, right? <laughs> Went to elementary school in Laguna Beach and ended up in the mountains. So... <laughs> Um, yeah, I, uh, I learned in Southern California. Um, it was, uh, it, not to extend this any further, but, um, my, uh, my brother passed away when I was in high school and, um, snowboarding became a coping me- mechanism for me. It was just a place where I found a closeness to him was being up in the mountains because I grew up in Southern California and, you know, we had concrete backyards and all that. So I, uh, I needed that open space to reflect and feel close to my brother and and God and and all that. So um, that's where that's what really drove my snowboarding. And um, yeah, uh, it just kind of all funneled out of control from there. Um, I grew up in a soccer family. Uh, My father coached college soccer um, and,
0: uh, <laughs> that sounds terrible. So I just kind of grew up in we're a in baseball sport, family. When, world. Yeah. When we're a baseball family. When you say soccer, I feel like you were like Dyfa should have stepped in and helped you, but, um, <laughs> no, no, no offense to people who like soccer, even though it's a god awful <laughs> sport that doesn't seem to have any point. But anyway, um, <laughs> Sean, we're gonna name this episode "Sean Busby's Life is a Disaster," and yet he's still really upbeat. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Dude, I'm so sorry, and I know it's probably been a long time, but you were like, my brother passed away, and I was like, this poor guy. Like, have you ever been hit by a car? Has a kangaroo ever stolen your baby? What else has happened to you? Like, like do you have? Like, could you go on forever about like, or is that it? I've had crazy stories, but <laughs> no kidding.
1: Yeah. Um, it definitely, it definitely shaped who I became. Like it was all a process that I believe that I had to go through in my life, and um, in order to be able to face harder challenges in the future as well. And um, but yeah, I I just got on the snowboarding, and then after type one diabetes, I got on the the backcountry side of snowboarding, and um, my goal was this uh, backcountry snowboard all seven continents, and to just kind of I don't know. I think anyone that's an athlete, they're going to want to present, they're going to want to put more extreme challenges in front of them. And, uh, that's, it's just something that kind of gives me a mission in my life, I
0: guess. Well, I couldn't, first of all, I couldn't agree with you more about going through tough things and, 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 and that building for other stuff. I mean, that's, I think that's a no brainer. I think the most amazing thing you've said here today is that somewhere in South America, there's snow, um, that I just—that <laughs> <laughs> might have gone by for most people, but what I've learned in the last 40 minutes is there's snow in South America somewhere, and I never considered that once in my life. I'm assuming it's on the top of a mountain, but um, there's also snow in Africa. <laughs> see, you know, a lot <laughs> yeah. of people in Africa listen to this podcast. I—I'm um, oh, no, I- literally bowled over by that every time I see people downloading in South Africa, all over the. The continent, That's awesome. It's very strange. Um, but hey, what's up, Africa? Um, I'm going to let you go, Sean, because I'm afraid you're going to tell me that the end of the world's coming and you know about it somehow. <laughs> so. <laughs> hey, guys, I have some bad news. Uh, March 33rd. Uh, yeah, no, but seriously, I <laughs> um, I didn't I, – I, you have a great sense of humor, which is why I feel comfortable joking with you, even though we yeah. don't know each other. But, but seriously, if – if the things you just said over this last, however long this has been, don't fill people with hope, then they're not listening correctly because you are a, a, an amazing example of perseverance in the face of things that a lot of people, I think, would would maybe run and hide from. And dude, that's just incredibly commendable. And then on top of it, you're out in the world sharing it with other people. So that's uh, that's huge. So yeah, that's really amazing. And I, I appreciate you coming on and talking about it with me. Yeah, well, thank you for this time and uh, those kind words. Absolutely. Um, can you, I'm going to stop the recording. Could you hold on one second? Yep. I stopped the recording to ask Sean for his address so I could send him a bold with insulin t-shirt because I got to tell you what, that guy's bold. And so I did it. I descended to, to the top of a mountain, care of a polar bear. Isn't that amazing? None of that is true. But yet I feel like it will be. I feel like when it gets to the post office, wherever Sean is, there'll be a mailman but he'll be a polar bear. It'll be a polar bear dressed as a mailman. And it will be like, hello. And then they'll just like have like some like, it'll be him and a moose and they'll be talking and then they'll just like eat a penguin. I don't know why I think any of that. I also don't know why people live out in the cold. None of that makes sense to me. You know what does make sense to me? Thanking Omnipod and Dexcom for being sponsors of the Juice Box Podcast. It makes sense to me to say to you again, please click on the links in your show notes or at juiceboxpodcast.com or if you have to type into the browser, I guess you could myomnipod.com forward slash juicebox or dexcom.com forward slash juicebox. Thank you so much for listening, for leaving reviews on iTunes, for leaving reviews on Amazon for the new Amazon Alexa skill. You guys rock. Seriously. You're good peeps. I appreciate that. So this moose walks into a post office. He's got a penguin under his arm, and he says to the polar bear behind the counter, Hey, you want to eat this penguin? The polar bear looks at the moose, and he says, Nothing could stop me from eating this penguin. Neither snow, nor rain, nor heat, nor gloom of night. I'm a polar bear post office worker. I'm hungry, and I am hungry, and I do want to eat that penguin, Mr. Moose. Thank you so much for bringing him in to me, and... We're going to make penguin soup out of him. And and then I will share the soup with you, Mr. Moose. And the moose says, oh, you're so kind. Thank you for sharing the penguin soup with me. Postmaster Grizzly, I meant Polar Bear. Thank you so much. Why are you still listening to this? Why have you not prioritized your day and said, this guy is babbling into this microphone about some penguin and a moose and... I'm still listening. This is a reflection on you, not on me. Seriously. Oh my God, have you not stopped it yet? Push stop. Go to the next podcast. I haven't had anything to say for over two minutes. Why are you still here? Nothing's going to happen. I'm not. It's not a Marvel movie. There's not going to be a cut scene at the end. This is it. It's over. I'm giving you permission to stop right now. Did you stop it? Are you still here? Did you just hear some basil snore like that? It was crazy. He's a snoring machine. Why are you still listening?